What would you do if everyone said they heard your trailer a hundred times? You'd probably make a new one. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, The Ringer's first ever true crime pod. We've been hunting a con man for a few weeks now, and our hunt is coming to an end. Schemes, heartbreak, how to put on a wire. We've covered all this and more, but there are still a few surprises left. Binge The Wedding Scammer wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Thursday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Consequences, Kevin Berto. How are you doing, man? Kevin O'Consequences. Well, where's that one from? I haven't heard that in a long time. Or ever. That one is from your very strong Draymond Green take. In the heat of the uh, moment, you demanded consequence. I didn't demand. Or Draymond said, should, Green. should be suspended instead of penalizing players for being emotional after dunks and giving them texts. That's the type of behavior with him grabbing precious Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Do you at least accept... That the one good thing that came out of it was the memes. <laughs> oh, the like memes the, the, are so funny, dude. The They're memes, hilarious. Like, we do have to give him some credit for that. But what is wrong with him? Seriously. And honestly, what is wrong with these Golden State fans? Because I said my piece, which was, he that's a guy that wanted to do that, right? Clearly. Here's, here's my chance. And then this whole... Every Golden State fan in the world is doing the still shots of like Rudy choked him first. And I'm like, if anybody in the world thinks Ru- Rudy Gobert was being an aggressor in that situation, instead of like just trying to calm it down and break it up, like they're just being disingenuous about oh, this it, whole it, thing. It completely is. It totally is, Chris. And, and I yes. mean, look, this is like he. How many months ago did he stomp on Sabonis? A year ago, he punched his teammate. Never mind everything else that's happened over the years with him, with you know, dirty plays and and then some reckless plays that weren't. You intentional, could have a ten reckless. minute. 
mixtape. Yes. 10 minutes. Easy. Absolutely. I, I mean, Chop so downs, I think, kick it in the nuts. Like, that's his, that's his game. So the NBA, you know, they suspended him for five games for choking Rudy Gobert, which was absolutely unnecessary in the moment. Dragging him across the court for, what, eight seconds, it felt like. How long was it exactly? It was a long time. It was absurd. And it was the right call to suspend it because that's the type of behavior. That's the type of behavior that they want to prevent by giving technicals after dunks. They want to prevent fights from happening. Well, they then the penalty for a guy who's a repeat, 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 repeat times 100 to infinity offender is only five games. It's just kind of silly. Um, but I mean, I guess, I guess I hope the NBA, uh, looks in the mirror and realizes, okay, well, we are suspending this behavior. Let's, uh, be a little bit more lenient on some of the emotions after dunks, like the well, Anthony and Edwards moments is, and all that, the Giannis I guess moments, every, all that stuff. Here'd be my question, Kev. Let's say, let me just pick out a, uh, Isaiah Stewart. I remember he went crazy and he got so mad and he was going to fight everybody and he was going to go after LeBron or whatever else, right? Going after a a rampage, pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's say Isaiah Stewart did it. Same thing. More than than five games. You think so? Yeah, I do. So not only... Well, uh, all right, let's not even say... uh, Okay, so Isaiah Stewart's been into something before. So let's just pick out somebody else. Let's say Jalen Duran. Well, let's let's just say it was Rudy Gobert. He did it. Let's say it with the roles reverse. Rudy Gobert did it instead of Draymond Green. You think Gobert gets more than five? Maybe not too much more. Maybe like seven. But I, I, I think it. You be do slightly. You more. think yeah, Draymond is? It, it, so this is what's crazy, and I'm not sure I disagree with you that Draymond Green gets oddly penalized less, even though theoretically he gets penalized more. For being a repeat offender. Sure. You yes. do kind of have like, I mean, like here's the thing. How many guys are like getting suspended from things? It's just very uncommon. And now you're like, every time something like this happens, you're setting a standard, right? So if a guy stomps on someone, now that's the standard. If a guy chokeholds and pulls somebody across the court, now that's the standard. And it's like, he's, he's kind of like, because it's so uncommon that this type of stuff happens and he just happens to be involved in it. I, I do wonder, I wonder if he is penalized less, um, because he's Draymond Green, because he's a world champion, because he, you know, he's a great player, right? And has been for a long time in the league. Or if he is, as they say, penalized more because of a repeat offender. But I, it's hard for us to imagine, I think, that if someone else did that, that they wouldn't have gotten at least five games. Yeah. That's what's hard to accept, that that's the repeat offender penalty. You know? Because what if you're not a repeat offender? What, it's three games? Right? Yeah. For putting somebody Reg- in a regardless, regardless yeah. I, I am I'm glad that the NBA uh, is trying to get that behavior out. But I say that at the same time as saying, let's not be handing out technicals and throwing out 
superstar players like Giannis with nine minutes left in the third quarter just because they flexed a little bit and got a little excited after a dunk. Like it, it's it's ridiculous. Let's not be throwing players out of games because they're getting emotional after dunks and ruining moments with Anthony Edwards putting players on posters. Like we shouldn't be penalizing that and taking the fun out of the game. You want to let players show who they are as people and and have genuine emotions and be authentic. And part of that is being a professional athlete, a competitor, and celebrating moments alone and with your teammates together. Um, I hope the NBA is like realizing, oh, let's actually let, let's not uh, revert, let's not penalize this when we can just penalize the actual actual infractions that happen when players do get violent. Then you can penalize that. There's no reason to penalize emotion. It's ridiculous. A couple of good things came out of it. All right, I'm going to look at the good because it's been a lot of focus on, you know, the bad of that situation, even though we did get a lot of laughs out of it. Um, Tons the of good laughs. Is this. It's hilarious. It was like two minutes into the game. <laughs> zero to zero when it happened. But the idea <laughs> that there's that kind of heat between two teams and that those two teams could very well meet in the playoffs at some point is amazing. Like, we yes. pined for this. In a day and age where everybody's trading jerseys and signing them to each other, any of these, like, acts of aggression to the point where I feel like these teams really don't like each other and that there's something there and that Rudy Gobert's coming out after the game and calling uh, uh, Draymond a clown, like, it's all good. <laughs> this is all good. The, 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 like, uh. I want there to be rivalries. I want there to be teams that really can't stand each other. And I think it's very, I think that is very good for the sport. Now, do I wish, you know, a, a chokehold necessarily had to be attached to it? Honestly, I don't really care. Whatever. Nobody, <laughs> nobody got, nobody got hurt. Yeah, no, nobody got hurt out okay. of the deal. Yeah. yeah he nobody got hurt out of the deal. He didn't sucker punch him. No, nobody, and, and nobody, and nobody got hurt out of the deal. Uh -huh. And but, like, Clay Thompson and McDaniel's were the ones that were, were the ones that were into it before. That's how it all started. And it's like, what is going on? Like, there is something, right? There, there, those teams irritate each other for some reason. They, they do. Yeah, and and it's a good thing for Golden State that they have a new rival now that Memphis is out of the picture too. <laughs> you so wanted to do that. <laughs> what do you make of uh, the like Rudy Gobert said after the game how Draymond, you know, they knew he might try to get ejected because Steph wasn't playing. Well, Tom Haverstrow on his uh, Substack, the Finder, he dug up the stats and found that without Curry in uniform. Draymond Green has had seven ejections in 123 games, or about once every 18 games played. With, with Curry in the lineup, Draymond's been ejected in 11 of, a, of 712 games, which is about once every 65 games. So according to their research, that's an ejection rate of 273% higher, or four times as likely to be ejected from a game when Steph is not playing compared to when he is playing that's those are something else those numbers aren't they i think it backs up what rudy's saying it does it really does that's i was shocked it was that much of a difference 
I mean, it, it can't be coincidence. No way. And you could say, well, he's playing harder because he knows, you know, with more intensity because Curry's out and then he's, uh, you know, he runs hot anyway. But still, it, the, the, those numbers are too. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. That's four that's times one- as likely. Yeah. I mean, Tom in his article proposed a few theories. He said Draymond doesn't take the non Curry game seriously, or Curry keeps Draymond in check, or it's on the refs. Officials are more willing to eject Green for misconduct because those games might be less competitive without Steph, or it could be on the opponents. They're playing feistier when they don't have to worry about Curry flaming them, so they might try to get on a Draymond screen. It's probably a little bit of all of the above, but I'd say mostly it's Number one, the fact that Draymond's just not taking those games as seriously. Yeah, I think that's probably He did true. that two minutes into the game. He was protecting his guy. Yeah, that has is. to be, like, if you're, if you're a Warriors fan, it has to be so exhausting defending him. Mm-hmm. Truly. Like, I mean, I get, I, 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 like, I gave up so long ago in terms of, like, defending guys, doing stuff. And obviously, you know, with Dylan except, Brooks. Except for so, John Morant. So, no, no, no. With, I'm talking about in the games. With Gary, <laughs> I, know, I know. Gary Payton taking, you know, taking Gary Payton out of the air or hitting Donovan Mitchell in the nuts last year or what? It's like, yeah, you just admit it, the guy, it, the guy's it's dirty. Too ex- it's too exhausting to try to defend these type of actions. Like you just got to, you, you, you've got to be so disingenuous to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And, it and, and, is like, and like I've, I'm someone in the history of this podcast who has defended some of his kicks because sometimes, not all the time, some of the time, I think the kicks are just from the motion of coming down with a rebound. But some of the time, he's definitely kicking. <laughs> like no yeah. doubt about it, he was intentionally kicking some of the time. Um, so I, 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 he's just a dirty player. Simple as that. And that, but that's part of what makes him a Hall of Fame defensive player. It's that mindset, that intensity, that relentlessness, the desire to stop everything in front of him. And sometimes it just turns into him being a total maniac on the court and doing stupid stuff out there that compromises his team's chances of winning a certain game, especially when Steph's not playing. Since we last spoke, we have had two of the craziest things happen. A, that. And B, the Ubre story, which comes out and he got hit by a car, and everybody's like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. And then, for whatever, like, the Philadelphia police say, oh, we can't find a tape of this. And then, by this morning, there's a TMZ ring camera video of him clearly going into his house, like, pushing a bicycle, saying, I got hit by a car to his wife, and I I, I couldn't help but laugh. No no when- lock on the door, just... I mean, interesting. I just, you know, as a little aside, you just like there's no lock on the door. You just open it up. Oh, I didn't notice video. that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you live in the South. Maybe like it's more normal not to lock your doors, but where I'm from, it's like you always lock your doors. <laughs> well, they said that like people were like, wow, how did TMZ get that? How did, like, uh, because uh, they, they leaked sent it, it in. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You think they hacked it? Duh. I mean, come I, on. What are we doing here? They sent they it because they, they saw, saw the blowback of saying yes. that this might not be the, what he says it is, and they sent it to TMZ. Clearly, so obvious that's what happened. The story was very pro-Ubre. And I still don't know what to think. I really don't know. I don't know. I think the simplest explanation, and like this is again, he doesn't know where he was. This is no. The simplest explanation is that he had a biking accident. Whether it was 
being hit by a car or as somebody there's YouTube videos of him going like off-road bike riding and whatnot. Maybe he just had a crash independently. Mm. So I think I think I think that's the most simple explanation of all like the crazy rumors that, you know, people have on social media and all that. He probably just crashed his bike, whether that was on his own or with a car. And he's not sure exactly where it was, if it were a car or if it was just on his own. He's just using the car as a cover up. Was it because he said it was on something, right? On a certain street? No, no. The TMZ article said it was on medication or something. I don't know. That's what it, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not making that up. It was something about him. It said that he was, uh, there was some reason, I suppose, that he was, uh, discombobulated. Um, I but mean, if like, you get hit by a car, he'll definitely be just discombobulated. Well, no, 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 no. Prior to, oh, it see. said, uh, in the ring camera footage, Ubre's heard telling his wife that he was hit by a car as he rolled a bicycle into his residence. Uh, and then it says, "Oh yeah, it just sor- says what sources tell us two factors. One, what one being Uber was medicated and not in the right state of mind when speaking speaking to the cops." Yeah, hmm. who knows? This is know. a well, strange story, it, man. It, 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 it's definitely a strange story. the The interesting thing was like how there was the article earlier in the week from Keith Pompey saying how uh, they couldn't find the footage. Right? Yeah. Well, then during the press conference when Howard Eskin, longtime Philly radio guy, very controversial there, opinionated, unafraid to ask tough questions. He was like questioning Nick Nurse. Do you believe him? Do you believe him? And Sixers PR kind of interjected and, you know, did what PR would do and clarify the story in their own way. But then a news reporter in the same video, a local news reporter, I didn't catch her name in the video. I'm not sure she even said it. I think it was like Channel 6 in Philly. She said that her police sources said that they don't think it actually happened. Like that, that was the first report. There's mm. never been anything, I don't think, since from Channel Six in Philly that has had a full story. But she said, citing her sources, that in the police said, like, it just, they don't think it happened at all. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, how, I mean, it's very possible that it could have happened on a street with no security so footage, odd. no cameras and all that. I, I just don't understand why you go to the cops if it didn't. It's it, like that's because yeah, that's your alibi. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Right, but if you don't think they're gonna, I don't know. It's just well, well the, thing, the thing. The thing that's so, so strange too is how how the story has changed. Like when it first came out, they said like medical professionals came to him, right, and that he would mm-hmm. be out for months, and then it turns into weeks, and that he actually just went home on his bike. Like the story's changed so much that like something something's up here. Um, also, but, what I mean, was he medicated on? <laughs> probably some good gummies. <laughs> yeah. The one the one good part in all of this, regardless of what actually happened, is the fact that it seems like it'll be a week week's injury rather than a month's injury, and that whatever injuries were sustained are far less major than it appeared to when we first got the story. And at the end of the day, that's the good part here for from purely from a basketball standpoint uh, and I guess a human standpoint too that Kelly seems to be in better shape than initially it seemed when it, everybody thought it was def- definitely a hit and run which the whole damn thing. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's if crazy just... the Sixers can't have a normal season they cannot have a normal I season know. ever <laughs> Look, we're, talk- we're talking as friends here the whole damn thing is so weird to me I've thought about it a hundred times like to I know. try to figure out but and and I keep coming back to, bro, if I was driving down the street 
and I saw a six foot nine guy riding a bike. <laughs> like I was just like everything about it is strange. Yeah, I, no. I've never seen a six foot nine guy on a bike in my life. I'm not saying that, you know, you're not allowed to do that or like you. It's just strange. Yeah, it's just strange. I know. I've never seen an NBA guy on a bike, honestly. I mean, like when I'm driving, I'm like, it's possible that if it were a driver with like a reckless driver looking at their phone, not paying any attention at all, they didn't even see him. Which, or it which, could have like, been a guy going, holy shit, is that Kelly yeah, Oubre? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like pulling out his phone, taking a photo. Because <laughs> like distracted driving is a real, real problem in this country. Thank you, it's, Kevin. It, it's a real issue. Um, I know. Thank you. What do you mean? What's that, man? No, it just sounded like a public service announcement. Oh. <laughs> distracted driving is a real thing. Well, well full self-driving uh, is the is the cure. It reminds me. It reminds me when years ago, I had I had I, I had gone to this radio station that we were starting up years ago. It was an AM station, small station, and when we first went on the air, we had like one commercial. So they had to fill it all with like these PSAs, mm-hmm. and they, that's why it jarred my memory when you did that because I would be like, I can't believe that uh you know whoever right. Memphis losing that game is ridiculous. And uh, John Calipari is going to have to go get better players if he thinks he's going to win at Memphis, blah, 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 blah. And then I'd go to a break and it would be these like, Johnny was just about to go to college and then he was hit by a drunk driver. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, these would be all the commercials (laughs) were like the saddest. Oh, my God. And I could have had you on there going, distracted driving is a real thing. That needs to be paid attention to. And then I'd have to like come back from break and like rant and rave about sports again. It was ridiculous. I was like, can we get some different PSAs? I, I gotta say this. Like, there's sometimes I'm on the highway while using Tesla, full self-driving, doing the driving for me. Flex. Um, and there are times I'll glance to my left or to my right. And it is amazing. Amazing. How many times I see other drivers on the road not using Tesla FSD that are glancing up and down at their phone while going 65, 75, 80 miles per hour down the highway. Like, it, and it happens on city streets. It happens on highways. Like, it, it's just like there's an ad that I think about when it comes to stuff like this. Back in Massachusetts, it was like a, a, a windshield um, company. And they said there's more behind the windshield than you think. And Sometimes I think people don't take into account the, like the what is what is in that car is your life. Sometimes your loved ones like you got to be careful when you're on the roads. You gotta you gotta you can't be looking at your phones. And you like get to come amount, by this amount, honest too. I'm gonna tell everybody when I went out to L.A. I didn't have my seatbelt on and Kevin scolded me. I won't I won't I won't drive if my friends don't buckle up. I know you won't. And like I've always been someone who never looks at the phone while driving. I'll look at a red light or like why at a stop sign. Like, of course, you know, I'm not like a robot. But like with, with Tesla, I mean, soon soon you're gonna be able to drive with your eyes shut. Soon enough. And so, in some amount of years. Of you're not there yet. You get you gotta make everybody you're making Kevin O guilt trip. You're making everybody out there feel guilty. They're probably like no. trying to they're trying to pause this podcast right now they're listening off their phone in their car right now 
with with FSD, I, I feel like I'm living in the future. Like right. over, I, I, over the last month, over 75% of my miles on the road are using that. Wow. Which is All crazy. Right. Nuts. It's, 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 so next time you're in LA, Chris, I'll take you for a drive and show it to I'd you. I'd love to. Yeah, we'll it's go for a drive. It's either me or like those it's models remarkable. you're always driving around in the car. Nah, no, no models. No models. I see them. No models. <laughs> Cash in on balling out this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub, and even beyond the NBA, you can bet on football, hockey, and a bunch of other sports. So visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued with non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right. We got likes and dislikes so far. I'm going to start. Let me go likes first. Let's do likes. Let's, let's, let's go whatever feels right. Likes, All dislikes, right. whatever feels right to us. So we got uh, likes and dislikes. All right, I'll start with this. The player participation thing might be working. Mm-hmm. So it's a good one. I uh, I went and looked. Top 10 scorers in the league as of this Thursday, November 16th evening. Joel Embiid. 11 of 11 games. Steph Curry, 11 of 12 games. It'll be 11 of 13 after tonight. Uh, Luka Doncic, 12 of 12. Kevin Durant, 11 of 11. Nikola Jokic, 11 of 11. Giannis, 10 of 11. Uh, SGA, 10 of 11. Donovan Mitchell, 10 of 11. Tatum, 11 of 11. Maxi, 11 of 11. Of the top 10 scorers in the league, Curry's missed one, Giannis has missed one, SGA and Donovan Mitchell have both missed one. That's it. That's it. Impressive. I mean... It's a great sign. It does seem like the only guy's missing actually, time. Yeah, we got injury. scared real like injury. night one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, real injury. Yeah. We, we got scared night one. is like, oh my God, Phoenix is already down, mm-hmm. guys. Like, but that seems crazy. legit. But... These are the top 10 scorers in the NBA. And so the whole idea, and one of the things we always talked about is, A, on a random night, you're going to tune into a game or there's going to be a big game coming up that you're going to get to see that player play. And and then most importantly for the fans, if you buy tickets to the game, that that player is going to play in the game, right? Like in many cases, they only come to your town one time uh, if they're in the opposite conference. And then there's, you know, it, it oscillates between, you know, uh, one or two, dependent on what your schedule is for that year with the other teams that are within your conference. But I think this, yeah, those are all like, nobody's like sat out for rest of the best players. And so, and you could say, well, that's not, uh, you know, we're only 12 games into the season, but it wasn't even like this last year. And a lot of these teams have had like, 
pretty heavy schedules in a short amount of time. Like, they're still playing the back-to-backs. They're still playing the four games in the span of a week. Um, very promising. Very promising. I, I was worried after our first episode, once the season began, I'm like, Jesus. Remember Jimmy Butler sat out for rest and there was the Phoenix thing and it was like, whoa, hold on now. Is this the way this is going to be? But the stars are playing so far and I think uh, think I'm very hopeful. I think I'm very hopeful. So it certainly goes in the light category. I'll go uh, the opposite way in the sense that this is this this observation is due to two guys that did miss games on Wednesday night. Jalen Brown was out with an illness. Chris Apps Porzingis was out with a right knee contusion. So they weren't out for rest. They were out actually due to injury. And something I like from that game that we saw with the Celtics win over the Sixers there was, A, the Sixers guys did play along the lines of what you said. Joel Embiid, third game in four nights, second game of a back-to-back. They they all played. Philly lost that game. Boston, their depth, I like a lot. It is better than a lot of people anticipated. Uh, I said to you before the season, hey, like we'll see. Some of these guys get some talent. It seems to be working out. You have no Jalen Brown. So Drew Holiday and Derek White take on bigger roles. Steve Luke comes off the bench, provides shooting and spacing. No Chris Porzingis. So Al Horford slides into the starting lineup after coming off the bench all year. He has an amazing night defending Joel Embiid pushing him off his spots, making life hard on him like he always has. One of the toughest matchups in the league for Joel Embiid. And then coming off the bench is Luke Cornett, who is not like a a big-name player by any means, not even a great player, but he's a center who provides size and can space the floor from three. So he allows Boston to continue to play five out and at least have a big body around the rim. So with the Celtics, I, I think their bench is proving to be a lot better than it got credit for. So not only do they have depth in their top six with guys like Drew and guys like Derek White that can take more shots, take more touches, but they also have those guys off the bench who can fill different roles depending on who's out of games. And I thought that was very, very apparent in that road win over the Sixers. All right. Uh, you, should we go finish out the likes or we go to a dislike? You call it. Let's finish off the likes. All right. De'Aaron Fox back in the mix, and Sacramento kind of got their mojo back from last year. I think they started off the year, and people were like, oh, are they going to the one that's going to fall back? They're looking uh, good. He's he's played in five games. He had 18 in the first one against Utah, and then he's had 37, 39, 28, and 28. 49% from the field, 36% from three, and they've won four in a row. You know, they got a little lucky because he was injured and they did not have a super heavy schedule. There's a lot of these teams that have played like 12 games and they've only played 10. And so there wasn't like their their schedule wasn't super dense in the in the time that he was going to have to be out. Um, but now he's back. They got going. And this is the most important thing. Their starting lineup, which is uh, Fox and Herder. Herder's been fantastic gotten his mojo back fox herder barnes murray and sabonis they have an offensive rating of 126.7 i mean that is ludicrous 126.7 and a defensive rating of 105.8 so they're plus 21 net and 
they would um, obviously it's one of the better lineups in the NBA that's played minutes thus far, but they can just score. And it's like, that is, you know, you saw that swoon when Fox was out, but man, as soon as he came back in, they became that team that last year took the league by storm, ended up with home court advantage in the playoffs. He is now like a top tier star. Fox is. And you see the kind of impact he can have. And their offense is their offense. Like their offense is great. It is truly great when they've got their five guys. They had a lot of health last year. Um, and so they can't really afford injury. Uh, but that starting lineup, when they are able to keep it together, boy, they are a tough one. And, tough and, one. You know, you got Sabonis having another great regular season. Keegan Murray, after a very slow start to the year for him, he's been awesome in, in recent games. Uh, so the Kings are definitely getting it going, for sure. They, they look really good right now. Uh, yeah, I didn't of, want them falling off completely. Of like, you know I, what I mean? I want, it kind I of want felt, them to take steps forward. Kind of felt like at the beginning of the season, people were like already like, oh, they're the one that's going to have the big drop off. And, you know, they've gotten back to looking like the Kings from last year, the one that we all loved watching and was, was such a cool story. My second like here is a rookie that I feel like is being completely overlooked because the team is such such a horrible watch of the Washington Wizards, 2-9 and nine on the season. But Bilal Koulibaly, their rookie lottery pick. You know I like the French. Uh, he's shooting 47% from three. He's doing a good job of punishing defenders going under on screens. He's making his catch-and-shoot three-point attempts as a guy who had some concerns about the efficiency of his jumper. It's looking very smooth, very efficient for him so far this year. He's a positive assist to turnover ratio this year. He's attacking closeouts, making kickout passes. There's been a couple of times they've he's even been a screener for Tyus Jones within the flow of the offense and made short roll passes after rolling hard at the basket. Defensively, he's been really good this year, defending a bunch of different types of players. Scotty Barnes, Duncan Robinson, Jalen Brown, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tyler Hero, all different types of players, all different size players. And then his most impressive defensive game was against Luka. He had some great, great on-ball possessions sticking to Luka. Yeah, hard contest, keeping in front of him. Bilal Koulibaly, one of the most impressive rookies in all of the NBA so far this season on the very sad Wizards, but that's a, a good silver lining for them to have Bilal. Did they finally hit a draft pick? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I believe they did. Yeah, I believe so. God, their draft record is disgusting. It's like, it's like a bunch of like like <laughs> C, C pluses or Cs. Like, like Kispert's a solid player, but he's not a home run. Rui Hachimura has turned into a solid Laker, but he's not a home run like they were hoping for. Denny Avdia, solid defensive player, but hasn't worked out offensively. What about the Wisconsin kid? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, like, they, they just haven't really had... Johnny, uh, Johnny Davis. Davis? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they've, had, they've had, like, a bunch of whiffs, a bunch of, you know, singles, um, but, you know, no home runs. Maybe Koulibaly's the guy who's at least a double or a triple and maybe a home run if the on-ball stuff develops because he looks like he's got everything else. All right. Next one on my likes is a team that I said I was going to be uh, 
watching more often this season than in the past for certain, and that was Orlando. And I'm going to give them a shout-out because of something that I was not necessarily expecting. So the number one defense in the NBA thus far, defensive efficiency-wise, has been the Minnesota Timberwolves. We know that. Number two has been the Boston Celtics, which is rather unsurprising. Number three is Orlando. Now, the offense has got to come along because they're like 27th or something in offense. But what I would say... Inverse of Indiana. (laughs) Right. But what I would say is offense will come along. It's not as if they are offensively deficient, that they don't have guys that can play offense well. Because they do. We know that. But if you are this early in the season and they are able to defend at that level right now and you can get them, you know, communicating and you can get them on the same page, that is the stuff, like, when you are good defensively like that, that is the stuff that's going to help you rack up wins and over the course of an 82-game season. Offense, especially now, Look, it's obviously got to be better than it's been for them, but offense on a night-in, night-out basis will come and go, especially when we're dealing with the variance of a million three-point shots a game. There's some nights where you're going to hit 20 and you're going to look amazing. There's some nights where you're not, and you're not, like, just taking, for instance, right, if you if you watch the Lakers play against Memphis the other night, and then you watch them play against Sacramento, it's a different world. And... If everybody makes shots, everything looks awesome. And when they don't, it doesn't. And all I'm saying is for a young team like Orlando that's trying to make the playoffs for the first time, I think it is a very good sign for them to be this good defensively even this early in the season because that is something that I do believe as the it's going to bode very well for them because I expect their offense to get much better as the season carries on. Uh, but you can hang your hat on the defensive end, and I think I'm I'm a little surprised with their, you know, just their age. They are a big team. I mean, obviously, look, when I mean, you're throwing Franz, Paolo, and Wendell Carter out there, and then they bring guys off the bench that are seven foot. I mean, they, they got formidable size, but they really defend you. And so... uh that has been a pleasant surprise. It certainly goes on my likes. I, I I was not, I wasn't expecting them to be very good defensively and uh, or this good. Not certainly. I think I think everybody listening to that would be stunned if I were going to say who are the top three defenses in the NBA. <laughs> there's no chance anybody's saying Orlando, even at this point in the season. But there they are. Uh, so yeah, they go on my likes. So that was your, you have three likes. Yep, three. Okay, uh, I'll go with a third like here as well. Third like is the variety in dynamic offenses that we're seeing this season. If you look at the top two teams in assist-to-turnover ratio, number one, Indiana Pacers, number two, Denver Nuggets. What they have in common is these cerebral genius High feel, selfless engines of their offense with Jokic in Denver, obviously, and then Tyrese Halliburton with Indiana. Um, I, I think with both of those teams play so differently, one's a center, one's a guard. The common aspects are they have a bunch of high IQ players 
surrounding all of them, um, but they play dramatically differently. Denver's much slower paced. Indiana's the fastest paced team in all of basketball. But then you look at the top five offensive rating teams. Number one, Indiana. Number two, Dallas. Plays very much through Luka. Heavy pick and roll. Number three, Boston. A lot of ball sharing. A lot of heavy three-point shooting. Number four, Philadelphia in offensive rating. Their brand new system, as we've talked about a bunch this season, with their dribble handoff centric offense taking pages from Denver. And then Denver, everybody knows what they do. Just a lot of variety with some of the top offenses in the league. But the common trend especially with Indiana and Denver, is just that selflessness and the high feel, the system, and how everybody plays together and for each other. I just think that's been a lot of fun to watch with the different styles, but also the common trends amongst those top offenses in the league this season. Totally fair. And uh, we have that, that Indiana team that you mentioned. Beautiful. I mean, you know, they're averaging 126. Beautiful. That is and it's crazy. Watch. 126 points is wild. Halliburton special, man. You go up and down, and it's like you just take like the whole Pacific Conference or uh, division in the in the Western Conference, which is Sacramento, Golden State, the Lakers, Phoenix, and the Clippers. Sacramento is scoring the most, which is unsurprising, even though they have had Fox out for some. They're average, it's it's 114 a game. 114. I mean, they're 12 full points <laughs> ahead of that. And obviously, I, I chronicled earlier the Kings and them having their uh, their numbers when they've got their actual starting lineup, which are kind of freakish like the Pacers. But yeah, that Pacers, man, I would not have expected uh, Pacers playing the fastest and, and Halliburton, by the way, has been freakishly awesome. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app, and they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. All right, now it's time for some dislikes. Oh, you're not going to like this, Kevin. Oh, please. So, a couple minutes ago, I just got done talking about Orlando, and there was a team I was going to be really looking forward to watching. My bright future Pistons. Oh, I have the Pistons as a dislike. I oh, got them they as are one. disgusting. All right, I look. Know. This Killian Hayes thing has to stop. This is ridiculous. Why? Why? Be- Why? Because Jaden Ivey is alive. 
He is a person that exists. Okay, all right. Not- but Killian has 57 assists to only 11 turnovers as well. Killian Hayes is also has a true shooting percentage of 49. I understand. Right. <laughs> Stinks. <laughs> Jaden, what they are doing with Jaden Ivey, like it's, they have it's Jaden inexcusable. Ivey, they have Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham and uh, Asur Thompson and Jalen. Dur- like this should be the most fun team to watch of young talent, like going up and down the court. Like it's not all Killian. It's not all Killian's fault. Problems. No, of course it's not. And, it's and Monty Dur- Williams' Dur- fault. Duran also hasn't been playing no, either, too. No, this is Monty Williams' fault. For God's sakes, uh, they buried Ivy. They brought oh, yeah. in Kevin <laughs> Knox and gave him more minutes than Ivy, and he wasn't even on a team. He wasn't even in the NBA. If the Pistons were paying any attention to the Suns before paying him the highest salary in basketball, they'd know that this is a thing with Monty Williams where oh he doesn't always pl- play. The- he took forever to to feed the ball to Mikael Bridges when Paul and Booker were out. He took forever to adjust in the postseason when the Nuggets were sagging off of non-shooters and he didn't change the lineup until game three and then they won two in a row. So like Monty is is not always doing what makes the most sense. He's a good motivator. He's a good man, but basketball-wise, uh, I think we're seeing just, we're seeing some of those issues right now with Detroit already. It's just bizarre, like this whole like, oh, you got to earn minutes, you know, or whatever. Like, what what minutes did Kevin Knox earn? He showed up and you played him. Here's more the than thing, Jay though. Th- this is the way I framed this thought with my dislike. It's also in the front office here. They need to break this up. They, oh. they can't. They traded up for Marcus Sasser. They they drafted Osar Thompson, who's awesome, by the way. He's the best player on the team right now. All due respect to Cade Cunningham because of the way Osar impacts defense and is just a glue guy on offense. Osar is awesome. But then you also have Killian, who's shown some, some signs of life, but it's come at the cost of blocking the development of Jaden Ivey, who's been awesome. When given opportunities and limited minutes off the bench. And it, so, you know who else it's hurt? You, you, it's hurt Cade Cunningham yes, because they run the doubles at Cade. They run doubles at Cade. They hedge on Cade. Like, he can't, he can't be Cade Cunningham because no one else on the court is respected. Like, they've got, like, their best player, like, stat-wise is probably Alec Burke so far. That tells you everything you need to know. And it's like, are are they trying to develop these guys, or are they trying to like? Is he doing the I want to try to win every game? And it's just, uh, dude, they are. And it's like this is just going to be another thrown away season. Here, here's the thing though: when it comes to Cade, he's still fourth in the NBA in touches per game, according to NBA.com. Fourth in the t- in touches per game, so it's not like he's getting touches. And this is similar to our Spurs conversation. We were talking about making things harder on Wemby sometimes, like not having an ideal situation, right? With Cade, it would be nice if despite not having ideal spacing, he were actually hitting three-pointers. That'd be nice if he were playing off ball and hit, hitting threes off the catch. It'd be nice if he were hitting pull-up threes instead of needing to dribble into mid-range and take tougher shots. It'd be nice to see him show that. So, like, in some respects, I think it's on Cade to adapt to the situation and 
and show that he can do those things that are necessary for him to become a superstar. On the other hand, I agree with you that they need to break it up with the guards. They need to trade some of those guys, whether it's trading Ivy or whether it's trading Killian, whatever it might be, they need to break it up in order to help facilitate the development of those guys and also create a better situation for those players. It's unfair to Marcus Sasser and unfair to Ivy and all those guys that they have to share all those touches. There's only one ball to go around. I know I, I know you've been a big killing guy, and, and he's a backup point guard. That's probably all he is. That's, That's probably his all destiny. He is. Yeah. His destiny in the NBA is backup point guard. Game-managing point guard who limits turnovers and defends hard. Yes. That's the right play. That's probably Why what it I is. Why do I watch them and see this? And it's like, all right, like what, what are you even doing here? And then they've got, even when they put Ivy in the game, he stands in the corner. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy had a 30 ball in a game I watched last year. Like, I loved Ivy coming out of the draft. He has got, he's got that fast twitch thing going on. And like, you, that could be a super fun backcourt. And they have just effed this up. Like, I don't understand it. And it makes me so frustrated because that could be like the Cunningham Ivy. Ivy's like 46% on catch and shoot. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. They are easily my biggest dislike so far this season. They, they suck break it up. and they're not fun to watch. Break it up. I'm yeah. with you. All right. You got a dislike? I do have oh, a Oh, you dislike. had the Pistons? Oh, no. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll throw another dislike out there. I, I had some backups ready to go. One of my dislikes this year, the decline of Clay Thompson so far this season. I don't like wow. it. it. It's disappointing to see because I love Clay. He's been one of my favorite players for, what, a decade now? However long he's been in the NBA, he's playing 28.6 minutes per game, a career low since his rookie season, shooting only 34% from three this year, a career low. And granted, small sample size Sater here, it's only 11 games, he'll probably catch fire. Uh, the fact is, is that offensively, he's had some possessions this year where it's more of like the, what are you doing, Clay? Mm. Like, what is that for? He had a play the other night against the Cavs where he received the ball with 13 seconds on the shot clock. And then he struggled through 14 dribbles in a row, you know, losing the ball as he's dribbling, trying to get past Karis LeVert. And then he takes this weird turnaround jumper from mid-range that gets blocked uh, as time's running out. Clay, Clay, I think right now, defensively as well, we've seen this happen over recent years. He's still going to have good moments defensively. He had a great possession defensively against Aaron Gordon in the last two minutes of the game against the Nuggets. He was pretty good against Evan Mobley, but he's really only better against those bigger, slower guys. He can't stay in front of a Jalen Green anymore. He can't stay in front of a Donovan Mitchell. Keegan Murray blew by him a couple of times when the Warriors faced the Kings. It's like these quicker guys, these younger players, he can't stay in front of as much. So I I think with Clay, uh, defensively, he's not the stopper he once was. Um, Obviously, Andrew Wiggins for the Warriors is playing absolutely horrible right now. Uh, But for Steve Kerr and the situation that he's in, like you get these rookies, Pods, who looks great in limited chances that he's received, Uh, TJD, Trace Jackson Davis, their second-round pick, who's looked great, Moses Moody, who's been better than Wiggins, better than Clay, but he's playing 10 less minutes per game than those guys. With Draymond suspended for five games, Steph out for some amount of time, maybe this is the time where Steve Kerr's forced to play some of those young guys and actually see what they're capable of doing with 
heavier uh, minutes and more consistent opportunity because I think something's going to change in this Warriors rotation, whether that's Clay taking a lesser role or trading Andrew Wiggins, uh, whatever it might be, trading Chris Paul for that matter. They need to make some changes in order to win a championship again this year. Fair. Uh, another dislike that I had deofficiating so far this year. Oh, so I horrible. lauded. I, la- I lauded the fact that, so I've been going to games for the last 20 something years and I've seen all of them. And there's been a ton of the guys that were the longtime refs that have left or, you know, like in the case of Monty McCutcheon went to the replay thing or like they just filtered out. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of new refs that you see on a regular basis where you're like, you used to always recognize one or two of them, but there's a lot of times where, you don't recognize them anymore. And I feel like there's so many of the younger ones that are coming in or the ones that we're not familiar with that now it is not only the quick trigger that you talked about earlier, which is, you know, in, like stripping emotion from the game for what reason we'll never know. But it's also you watch these guys and they're all part of the same entertainment enterprise out on the court. And not only are they bad, they are arrogant about it. Like, I, for years, have gotten used to, like, you know, you see Bill Kennedy and you see the rapport that he has with the players or, or like, you know, if he misses something, somebody will come yell at him and he'll say, hey, I'll, let me look at that at halftime or maybe I missed that or whatever. Or Zach Zarba. It's now, like, I feel like we've filtered in a bunch of these refs that are, like, um... You know how, like, if you go to, like, a like a bar or something, right, there can either be, there's some bouncers that are, like, cool, like, yeah, come on in, bud, you know, like, that kind of guy. And then there's the bouncer that literally got the job so that he can beat up the drunk guys, right? Like, he's there so that he has some level of authority and excuse to do whatever he wants to do. They power tripping, right? You see this in all manner of different jobs. And I feel like we got a bunch of power trip refs now. and that aren't even like like the older ones and the ones that you know of and the ones you're used to and familiar with, it's not them. They've been around a long time. They've got a rapport with the players. They know the players. But the ones that don't have like a rapport with the players yet, and I feel like there's a lot of those in the league now, you're seeing they can't handle it. They can't handle the game. And so then when the players are barking at them, whatever, they're they're snapping or they're the high and mighty, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me, right? And I have just seen so far this year, like, even if you're not good, like, the worst combo is not being good and being arrogant. And I feel like there's there's an awful lot. I just don't like that. I don't like the attitudes. That that I that I see, and not only that, just the officiating's been bad, been bad. We've lost a lot of reps, and NBA officiating is extremely difficult to do, extremely difficult. But I feel like there's a lot of them with their chest out now, trying to prove that they belong or whatever, and I think they're going about it all the wrong way. And again. It's all part of the same entertainment enterprise. But just watch watch a random NBA game 
And you're going to hear a ref you suck chant in damn near every one now. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ridiculous. There shouldn't be a ref you suck chant in every game. I mean, that kind of like puts a bow on top of what we talked about at the top of the pod. With right. Complaining about Giannis being thrown out, the text on Anthony Edwards. It's it's a lot of stuff like that. It feels like every game I'm tuning into right now. It's like the only, it's like I'm really, really loving this season. Right. Like I, yeah. I love, I'm loving the in season tournament. Like that could have yes. easily been one of my likes. Right. I'm loving the in season tournament. It's almost more than like I love it. Um, uh, the players' participation has been great. You get surprises across the league. Young guys shining, yeah, like there's there's like kind of a changing of a guard in the NBA in some ways with you know Anthony Edwards and Halliburton and all these young guys elevating their play. It's it's a great time. The one negative is is the officiating. Like that's that's the one part so far that I'm like it feels worse than I can remember recently. Just had a because I had it written down. I'm gonna give one more like shout out before we get out of okay. here. Uh, Reggie Jackson in Murray's place. Oh, this yeah. has just been crazy. So that Murray lineup had a net rating. Uh, their net rating is always great. Obviously, they're one of the best teams in the league. But it was like plus 5.6 in the, with the starting lineup. They have replaced Murray with Reggie Jackson. And so far, they have had a 114 offensive rating and a 90.7 defensive rating for plus 33. Like, it's crazy. Now, obviously, look, the usage goes up for Jokic, which is always a good thing. But them, like, being able to, there's all kinds of teams that are dealing with injury. Their way of dealing with this injury was like, oh, God, they lost Jamal Murray. And their starting lineup has been freakishly great. In fact, of of the lineups that have played like a lot of minutes so far as five-man units in the NBA, there's only one that has been better than that one. The one, the Denver one with Reggie Jackson instead of Murray in it. And you guessed it. And this is, like, this, this shouldn't even be a real net rating. It's the Celtics starting five so far. Have you looked at their numbers? It's absurd, right? Uh, I didn't check it after Wednesday's game, but what is it? I, well, I just told you that the Denver was plus yeah. 33 per 100 possessions, and they're second. That's because Boston is plus 39. Hmm. They have an offensive rating of 128 and a defensive rating of 89. That is, like, impossibly great. Plus 39 per 100 possessions. And that's the, you know, uh, Holiday White, Porzingis, Tatum Brown. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Plus, maybe maybe Bill Simmons was right. It is the greatest lineup <laughs> ever assembled or whatever he said that he was getting so much grief over. I'll tell you this, so far they have played like the greatest lineup ever assembled. <laughs> that is 128 offensive rating and 89 defensive rating is crazy. That is crazy. I can't even believe it. And they played a lot of minutes. They played oh, a yeah. lot of minutes together. I just pulled it up 134 minutes. That's the third most frequent lineup <laughs> used in the NBA. Number one, OKC's starting five. Number two, Houston's. And then Boston, number three. 
Houston's is great too. It's like 17, right? Yeah, 17.9 for Van Vliet, Brooks, Green, Shengun, Smith. Which and is incredible because that's a OKC's, thrown together. No, yes. theirs, theirs is truly incredible because that's a thrown together lineup. And then OKC with 148 minutes, they're plus 11.1. SGA, Dort, Giddy, Holmgren, Williams. That's impressive considering you throw, you throw in Holmgren, a rookie player too. But again, four of those have at least played together. That of course. Houston oh, thing, yeah, I know. You know, three of those guys have never played basketball together. Well, even with the Boston one, granted, they're they're veteran players, but you have two guys who didn't play with True. Holiday and Porzingis. They're veterans, yep. but it's still a brand new team, and yet they're flourishing so quickly. Well, they've also fallen into the roles. Yes. Right. Yep. They've all accepted it. That's right. And the good thing for Denver is soon enough they will get Jamal Murray back. Michael Malone said earlier today on Thursday that he's going to rejoin the Nuggets for their five-game road trip. We don't know if he'll play or not, but he's going to be back soon from his hamstring injury, and he'll at least be with the team for their five-game road trip starting on Friday in New Orleans. So that's a good sign for the Nuggets to get him back soon. It is, but it's also, you know, they, they're they blessed in the fact that they, yes. they can take it easy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because that, that Reggie Jackson thing, like, typically, if you lose a guy like we, we're seeing it all over the league, you lose a player here, you lose a player there, and it's like, it has a huge effect on your team. Theirs, just having Jackson there, and I, I, can't, I can't believe how great their defense has been with just replacing Jackson with Murray. I mean, that's 30 point, it's a 34 point difference on defense. With just Jackson for Murray so far in the limited amount of minutes that they've played. But it's a, I mean, still, a, they still played a lot of minutes. Um, look, I feel like me and you could play with Jokic and have a good net rating, though. Jokic makes everybody better. No question. I'll stand in the corner and have a good net rating just being on his team. He's, his usage rate is like even up. It's crazy. So good. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And I'll talk to you next week. Looking forward to it. Must be 21 plus and president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call one 800 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call one 877 hope NY or text hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. 
My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.